0: Ladies and gentlemen, Rosterwatch Nation, welcome back to the epic Rosterwatch podcast brought to you by Rosterwatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, here joined, as always, by Rosterwatch co-founder, managing partner, Byron Lambert if you do not subscribe to the podcast and you enjoy the podcast please subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher please give us a five-star rating and review on those platforms as well you can also support us by getting a pro membership at rosterwash.com. Byron back to the two pod a week schedule getting ready for the senior bowl you're going to head up to Colorado for a few days and record the second pod, the DFS pod uh, up there from the from, from a state of real rocky mountain high what the hell you got going on man
1: yeah, I'm going to I'm going to put my finger in the wind and get the pol- get a pulse on Baker Mayfield. What's going on with that and the Denver Broncos while I'm up
0: there, man? <laughs> what kind of fishing's on tap?
1: Man, so here's the thing. I'm actually going to Colorado for warmer weather, for a reprieve That's
0: crazy, from man, huh?
1: the from the arctic temper- Texas temperatures. <laughs> I'm head I'm heading to sunnier Pastures up in Colorado, man. Um, I was hoping to go pike fishing, but the lake the – lake Have you ever been after has, pike?
0: Have, have you oh, ever been yeah. after him? Okay.
1: Yeah. Let me tell you the cool thing about a northern pike, man, is when a northern pike hits your lure, he hits it on the U-turn – so he follows it and then he speeds up and then he rips around on the U and then he takes it on the way back out. So he, he rips when he takes Well, and they're
0: it, real like so, and they're real from what I can think of them they're real like cylindrical fish. They can really they can get going and accelerate quickly like a, it's a like a, like a ling or a kingfish or something like
1: Yeah, and they got know. a pretty big tail too. But anyways, um yeah, I was hoping to go and throw the fly for the pike, but the lake, I believe, is frozen over there, even though the temperatures are warmed up some. Um so it sounds like it's like Why can't be you just crack for- a
0: hole in that ice? Or, or they just don't bite like that. And you're not, Man, the river, and, and, and you're not gonna fly fish like that, I guess.
1: The rivers are running and it's gonna be like fifty five and sunny. It's it's a good time to go try to catch some winter trout. So mm. that's what we're gonna go do.
0: With flies? And our buddy's
1: a guy. Our buddy's a guide up there. He's a well, fly fishing guy. see that guide. always
0: makes it easier. I mean because, hey, we're not, because we're, not only we're, not only will, will he get you to the spots, he'll get you on the he'll get you on the right flies. Most importantly, oh, tr- like,
1: right. Trust me, man. I I I need all the help I can get. There's a That's a lifetime of learning. What do they say about poker? a minute to learn it's not shit it's not like that saying it's a lifetime to learn and a lifetime to master when it comes to fly fishing
0: and, and just like poker or just any of this stuff you're you're never going to master it <laughs> even my dad dude as hard as he tried to master fly fishing man he got good by the end like my dad um my dad in his last fly fishing days like was able to stand up in the water like on just stand up in um, off like offshore in a in a kayak, like a top sitting kayak, and be able to stand up on it and fly fish f- from it for reds. And even him, he'd say like, "There's you know, there's just shit that he could never imagine doing." So,
1: yeah, but I think of that as just a man's man. I mean, that's the top of the mountain when you're out there mono a mono fly fishing in the salt water in a kayak. I'm not sure I even have the balls to ever do that. What I am imagining <laughs> though, I'd like to go hone my skills in Colorado the next few years and then. I can see I can see this man uh, jetting between the Rocky Mountains and Key West many times per year and fly <laughs> fishing it fly fishing in both locales that
0: sounds like that sounds like a man that does not have an infant child and a toddler on board (laughs) but i hope to join you there for there there for at least some of them
1: it's a Um, man who loves to bring his good friends for sure though
0: let's see so uh how do you want to start the podcast you want to talk about some of the coaching hires or i mean what was so now it's seeming like tennessee gonna miss out on Josh McDaniels, it's seeming like he's going to go to the Colts. That's probably a good sign for what they could tell uh, McDaniels about the health of Andrew Luck, which is something that we discussed on the serious show. Well,
1: you, you called me like the cat that ate the canary when you thought you had your Titans prediction all signed, sealed, and delivered there. <laughs> My thoughts are that if I knew Andrew Luck was 100% healthy, I would absolutely love the hire. So. I have to just operate on the assumption that it's a good hire. It's not fair for me to treat it any other way. I mean, that's what the Colts are hoping for. And they got insurance in Brissett, who's a guy that knows McDaniel's system. It's a great fit. He's one of the obvious coaching hires. I was – it makes a lot of sense. I was very excited for a minute that he might go to Tennessee. That would have been – That could have been truly unbelievable, but you know what, Josh McDaniels—he's not exactly as Sean McVay in the offense that he runs, and it's—it could be a situation where the Titans, now sniffing around a Matt Lafleur, actually do end up with the Sean McVay type offense, which is what I want to see in Tennessee because I just think the personnel there is so similar to what they have in Los Angeles. It just would be that type of system would be a wonderful fit. So maybe a blessing in disguise for the Titans. Good hire. Good, good hire for the Colts. For the Colts, it just depends on they're just preying on Andrew Luck, man.
0: And so what? But right, but I'm but I'm saying, don't you think that if given the option of either the, I mean, I don't know how we can even really how we compare Andrew Luck and Marcus Mariota at this point because clearly Andrew Luck, if healthy, healthy it's like ridiculous. It's miles. It's it's very hard to compare them. But depending (laughs) on the level of Andrew Luck, right? It's like if it was doom and gloom with Andrew Luck. Like maybe you're not. This is a guy that you know possibly is going to have some kind of major uh, damage. There's some weird nerve stuff, or who even knows? You know, like th- th- that, kind news, you? that kind of potential what bad news. That kind of potential bad news would have would have been an influencer, I think. Which 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 to me is good news for Andrew is good news for Andrew Luck.
1: Yeah, I mean, this tells me you have to read the read between the. The lines. I mean, this tells me that Josh McDaniels has gotten a rather firm guarantee that Andrew Luck is going to be just fine.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, uh, I wonder who he got the firm guarantee from. <laughs> hope it was. Uh, hope it was from a couple of different guys and not just not just Ursay, But well, I guess we'll see about that. What do you think about? I, I just. I wonder. I, it seems like Mike Vrabel is interviewing everywhere. You know, I think that I read something earlier on Pro Football Talk or something that Vrabel might have even, I forgot whether, I think it was Vrabel, he said he turned down maybe even even an interview with the Titans because he knew they were looking for an offensive coach and all this stuff. Like, what do you think about this stuff that Mike Vrabel seems to be a name people are throwing around or somebody who's at least making the making the rounds doing some of these interviews?
1: It makes sense. He's He's been kind of a notable assistant coach here for a minute, player uh, converted to coach, and he's had some success. I think he has a... He look, you know, he has a good. He looks like a face of a franchise, and he draws the obvious Bill Belichick connection as well. That all these other guys are are uh, riding high on right now. So, but what I has mean, he it, done as a coach? Makes,
0: as, as as the Texans, I mean, that that defense has been. I mean, it's it's been good in spots, but. And Isn't it's been, it funny that Doug Marone told
1: Doug Marone told me this is such so ironic. He told us it at the Jaguars facility back in August because I think the Jaguars played the
0: Texans in Week One.
1: Yeah, so they were talking about Week One, and Doug Marone said that that Texans defense was a transcendent defense. One of the very best he'd ever seen in NFL history. I mean, he was throwing out like, you know, eighty-five Bears kind of stuff for this Texans defense. And it's funny to look in hindsight. Well, the, and it turned out fairness, it was they the, were, the Jaguars. Fairness, the, they were the, J- J- of,
0: yeah. Right. The, the Jaguars.
1: Jaguars defense
0: ended up. He just didn't see like it under the, his own under his own nose, just was kind of used to seeing it out there. And and nobody th- saw it. it. Well, I mean, everybody has it's, always seen with the Jacksonville Jaguars that the pieces were in place. That they'd, that they'd done what everybody thought was drafted really well in, in, you know, in the recent really, you know, two years on defense, maybe even three years. On defense, and then just recently had done a good, you know, done a real good job in free agency to where it looked like, at least on paper, that that was a team set up for success, at least on the defensive side of the football. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I the think defensive that,
1: personnel, but, for sure. But
0: here's the thing that doesn't always pan out. Like, it, you know, teams like the actually, I, I would say that with people, I remember that it was a storyline that the Jaguars were a team that, um, that did well in did, that did well in free agency last year, and it's like a rare time where that where one of those teams on those lists goes on to have a you know actually a really good really good season from it. So I think that a lot of people should have noticed that. That I just I think that Marone, just going against those guys all the time and stuff. You probably don't you probably don't you know see them as in the same way as you you know view your upcoming opponents. And then I'd also say that the Houston defense with a healthy. You know, healthy J.J. Watt, healthy linebackers, healthy Clowney, like all these guys. I just think it's a a, or merciless. All these guys. I just think it's a different. I mean, I think that that you know that could be a good defense, but it seems like it's largely based in personnel because they've gone downhill when a lot of these key players have gotten hurt. So it makes me wonder, like, just what I just kind of wonder what Vrabel's done. I think it's mostly the Patriots connection.
1: AFC South shaping up as a really. Interesting division moving forward. And it isn't that division.
0: I think. And it isn't that I don't think that that couldn't be good. I just, I'm just wondering. You know, why is he like such a hot name? I'm just, and you
1: know, the cupboard's a little barren, Alex.
0: Yeah, it's crazy to me. I was just thinking the other day whenever whenever Bevel got whenever Bevel got axed, I was like, man, this guy was a guy like four years ago that was like people were talking about as a hot can- head coaching candidate. And he'd always interview, and he wouldn't be able to take those jobs because the Seahawks always went so deep in the playoffs, and these teams always just kind of wanted to get it done earlier. It's just crazy. Think,
1: think, of, think about being a young GM in this climate and having to put your nuts out on the chopping block
0: for some of these guys. It's crazy, yeah. Fu- you don't know them from fucking Adam, t- dude. dude. It's a tough decision. Talk about, it. yeah. That's. A- I mean,
1: you used to place executives. How hard is it to? I mean, these are can- these candidates. This this process has to be a nightmare. I mean, you got to be you, obviously. I'm sure you're going on recommendations from other people you trust, you know, throughout the league. Well, I mean, it's got to be a real leap of faith for well, some they, of these guys. Well, there's a
0: list. I mean, there's a list of the candidates that the NFL puts out every year that are the ones that are, like, approved through the official, you know, league as, you know, candidates of interest. And I think they get assigned, like, tiers or something. It would be interesting to look at exactly what it is, but, you know – um the guys who were highest up on the list this year, clearly, it was a, it was a, uh, it was the New England guys, the McDaniels, the Patricias, these guys. So, um, I just, but yeah, even though you you have sort of that, that list of at least recommendations that the NFL approves or would recommend, I think that. Um, I think that it's still an unbelievably tough decision and one that you're going to fuck up, dude, a, a, you know, that you have a great chance of fucking up every single time. I mean, how many of these coaches, you know, turned great and how many bust? It's crazy.
1: I'll tell you, Matt Laflora is a very interesting name. And that's a guy we're not late to the party on. We're not just hopping on the bandwagon. We've, we've been on that one for a long time. That was an, a great hire for Los Angeles. He had done well in Atlanta. He'd done well in the college ranks, grooming quarterbacks and that's a name you've got
0: to really look for right now. It's true, it could be the more the kind of that could be the kind of McVay hire the um that certainly the, the sir- that certainly the Chicago Bears are hoping that like a hoping that a, a Matt Nagy is. You
1: think they're all – is there a soon to be Sean McVay coaching tree?
0: <laughs> would don't don't tell me that that a Wade Phillips would be under that coaching tree. <laughs> No, I don't know, man. Um, there should be. Wade, I don't know. Wade it's Phillips like,
1: is Wade Phillips is under the bum
0: Phillips. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying I think he's under a he's under a few coaches. I, I have trouble p- picturing him under. A, like he said, man, that kid could be his grandson. But <laughs> I love um, Wade Phillips. Yeah, but uh, yeah, man, maybe it's I I, I don't know. It's hard to be. Um,
1: didn't you, you always tell me you have an aunt that looks like Wade Phillips.
0: <laughs> I didn't say that. I said, I said one time that he kind of, he kind of, uh, at times he does, he, he, he does remind me of an aunt of mine. Um, but yeah, man, I, I think it's just interesting all around with all these guys. Uh,
1: well, Pat Shermer in New York. I love I, Pat Shermer's a guy. I really like I'm very high on Pat Shermer. I think that's a, the strong strong so much for
0: my cockamamie idea of him to being able to t- take a, at least one of those quarterbacks down to Arizona, what the hell's Arizona going to do now?
1: He might take one of them to New York, you know, although I think Pat Shermer is going to be able to work with davis webb i
0: think, yeah, he's gonna, X, I,
1: I, think I I think Pat Shermer you know of course they they could bring somebody else in, they could draft another quarterback. I, I have a feeling Shermer's gonna say I I I kinda like my quarterback. Did you
0: like right did here. you like Davis Webb? Because we got to watch him a whole week, I think, at the senior bowl. And I don't even remember writing him in my notes once or from his combine throwing sessions.
1: I think Davis Webb is a a re a pretty reasonable quarterback. I'd be look, if I was a GM, I'd be happy if I had Davis Webb as a young prospect in my quarterback room. Now am I am I t- hit ready to hitch my the future of my franchise to him? No, but he's a guy that I think has a chance.
0: Uh, I just – I don't know. We'll see. I just – I don't remember anything about David. I I've literally – I don't have many memories. I don't – I've gone back and looked through my notebooks of like written hand notes from, from the senior bowl I mean, Do you remember how
1: high some evaluators were on him last year? There was people talking about people in the business and not just the agents, but I mean there was legitimate – there was definitely scouts who thought that Davis Webb could sneak into the late first round.
0: I guess, and now they can point to there the fact a, that it's a kind of this Jared Goff system and the same sort of same sort of stuff. Like Patrick Mahomes was recently drafted highly a, out of that kind of system. He's a
1: big kid. I mean, Davis Webb has a chance. I think if you've got Eli, Eli Manning, what is it, Eli Manning, Geno Smith, and Davis Webb, for a guy like Pat Shermer – that's a that's a good quarterback. It's room not to that walk it's into. not really
0: that good. It's nowhere near as good as the. Do you? He, it, it's bit I think. Do you think it's a better one? Up in uh up in Minnesota, right? With all those guys healthy.
1: Marginally.
0: I think substantially, for at least from what Bradford's been when healthy. There's what, a
1: chance Eli Manning could still be better than all of them next season if he gets the proper coaching and they get their act together.
0: Maybe that sure would be an interesting that sure would be an interesting uh, turn of events. Now, would he be eligible for PFWA Comeback Player of the Year in that scenario, or are you still of the mindset that that has to be a comeback from an injury?
1: I don't know if it's. I'm the, the mindset. I think that's the rule, right?
0: No, no, no. We we had this discussion before. It's it, it that that's not technically the rule with the PFWA voting, and 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 that could actually be a good segue into the a segment that I wanted to do here on the pod, just kind of going over the all rookie team that came out today on Tuesday from the Pro Football Writers of America. Of course, Byron and I, both voting members of the PFWA. Um, I mean, how can you become back player of
1: the year from just sucking the year before? Well, that's
0: what you got on me the one year where I voted fi- that I voted for. Uh, was it who was it? Was it Philip Rivers? Just as I could a guy have never
1: who... gotten on you about Philip Rivers. Could mm-hmm. I um,
0: being some kind of? I think it was Philip Rivers coming off a bad season and having monster. I, f- I forget who it was. It was a few years well, ago.
1: I was probably just pissed that you ever thought he had a
0: bad season. <laughs> no, it's a, well, your your argument to me was that. When I told you that was my comeback player of the year vote, you you told me that it seemed like it had to be an injury you know, coming back from an injury. This year, my comeback player of the year vote was uh, a guy who uh, came back from an injury and a Charger in Keenan Allen. Who would uh, you didn't get your vote in on time? The voting into it on Thursday before you had the opportunity to get yours in. But who would you have voted in on for comeback player of the year?
1: Keenan Allen.
0: I think it was the best choice. I'll be interested to see that'll come out later in the week. But um yeah. Who
1: else who who else do you would you have put up there with him?
0: Well, I thought sort of the old Philip Rivers rule we discussed earlier about a guy going from being completely shitty to being you know, awesome. I thought Jared, about Jared Todd, I thought about Todd Gurley. That
1: just seems disingenuous, right?
0: Yeah, it kind of seems like saying it, right? I kind of am of the Byron mindset now, moving forward. Even though it's not a, it's not a hard and fast rule within the voting, it's left completely up to the voter. To you know, all that's given is that, is that you know, category. It's up to the voter to decide how they interpret it. But I think moving it should forward, be an un, that's an
1: unwritten rule. Well, I'm not
0: sure it's an unwritten rule, but I think moving forward, I think I I will abide by it. I think it makes sense too. And maybe that kind of means that it might be a bit of an unwritten rule.
1: Well, let's sing the praise of Keenan Allen for a second. Let me just hear the good song, Alex.
0: I mean, no, I, I think that, you know, he's just you said that coming out of training camp that he was fine. We have audio up at rosterwatch.com where he even told you even pestered him about the, um, the like the little sleeve thing he was wearing on his uh, on his knee that we got photos of, and you have some video of there from practice that we put up in the raw footage uh, section at Watch for our pro members. And, you know, but he told you, he's like, man, I'm going to take this thing off. Like, I'm not going to have to wear anything during the season. I'm fine. It turned out, you know, he was told, you know, it was completely true. He was fine. He came out. He never wore a brace to start out the season. Um, played in all 16 games. Uh, had over 100 receptions. Um, just...
1: Is he a top ten receiver in the NFL?
0: Oh God, God, yes.
1: Is he a top five?
0: That starts getting hard because you really got to factor in other guys. Or yeah, uh, I don't know. You, into,
1: you start running into Josh Gordon from year around. Well, you five. start.
0: Well, he's just yeah. He, well, I know that. Right, well, from a pure talent perspective, you you probably have Josh Gordon top five. I'm sure. It's DeAndre Hopkins, Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham. That's when you start saying, what is it? Is it Julio? It's hard. I mean, I got got Julio and Gordon, bang, bang. Maybe Michael Thomas belongs in there.
1: He sure does. I mean, he's creeping right up in there.
0: You know, do you think Michael, is there anything similar about Michael Thomas to Keenan Allen? We haven't mentioned Mike Evans, which is kind of maybe even a little bit depressing for me as a dynasty owner.
1: I mean, as a talent, he's just got to get his head together a little more, though. You know that that, but that brings up something I never never really thought of. I I think Michael Thomas has a little Keenan Allen to him. He's slippery out there. He runs those inside routes. He's slippery.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think I think that Michael Thomas is a little bit more physical and a small bit more beastly.
1: No, that's definitely true. He's he's a he's a bigger guy. Yeah, Michael Thomas looks amazing.
0: Yeah, he yeah he sure does, man. He's 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 good. I was all wrong about that guy. Our evaluations on him were no good, but a lot of that a, a lot of it had to do with information. That looking back, might have been bad information that was just about his ability to uh, pick up, uh, you know, pick up plays. And I just I worried about him being in a Drew Brees, Sean Payton, system, limited but...
1: limited route tree at Ohio State, and yeah. Then he had then. I guess we can. He had a very arrogant attitude. Scouts at were
0: worried about him. I mean, that, that. I mean, I can say that some scouts were worried about some of that stuff. So, um, what a what, what a you know what a bargain he's turned out to be.
1: Yeah, and he's turned out to not be arrogant at all.
0: No, from what Trashman Which, says, he seems like a cool guy. He stopped in Trashman nice. at player ID, just yeah, walking from practice, d-
1: down to earth. Definitely, that's the way he strikes me as well. For some reason, at that combine, he rubbed the whole media the wrong way, man.
0: It is Byron Lambert and Alex Dunlap here on the Roster Watch podcast, brought to you by RosterWatch.com. Please subscribe, rate, and review when you have a chance. We would greatly appreciate it. Um, 2017 Rookie of the Year, Byron. Who do you think it was? Alvin Kamara. In a big, you you were of my mindset, and what I view as sort of an upset. It is rookie. It is a rookie of the year. Kareem Hunt, Kansas City Chiefs. Um, And I guess the line of thinking with that probably is he is the, um, he's the rushing leader, right? So it's kind of like, it's like having that title kind of, you know, it makes you seem like you are,
1: yeah, when you split the hairs, I, I it's mean— it's like you're the
0: rushing it, leader that year.
1: Yeah,
0: okay, it means comparatively to all the other rushers, you had the most yards. And even though Alvin Kamara had like what 14 touchdowns, and um, all this other stuff, but, I mean, it was and, like, but
1: here's the deal that's a, that was a tough that's definitely a tough call. But at the end of the day, when I just trust my is who got me the sickest this year,
0: Alvin Kamara
1: just got me feeling, dude. I didn't realize that this was a great comp. There's never been a comp for Gail Sayers ever again. And I mean, he's not Gail Sayers, but he's got a little Gail Sayers. Well, you've, you've, never, you've never said that about another running back ever before.
0: Well, and if, and if you look at what the PFWA's release, it says he's one of four rookies in NFL history to have at least five rushing and five receiving touchdowns, joining, th- joining three Guys who were in the Hall of Fame, uh, Doak Walker in 1950, Charlie Taylor in 1964, and your boy, Gale Sayers, in 1964. So um, just an all, just, it, was, you know, it was crazy whenever you look at him, uh, just at his all-around stats from the 2017 season. He had more receiving yards than he had rushing yards during the regular season. 826 receiving yards to 728 rushing. So, and just a monster... 14 touchdowns he's
1: nasty we're big fans of Kareem Hunt spent a lot of time with him at the senior bowl last year in the locker room putting all those damn sensors in his pads good kid and uh, certainly could not be go to a better guy and I'm I'm excited to hear that Kareem Hunt's got that award
0: yeah I just for me it was (laughs) Kamara but yeah I mean Hunt too just I think the thing about him is he came in so hot and then, even though he had the midseason swoon, he ended once. Once Nagy was calling plays, being the focus of that offense again, as they kind of made their push to the playoffs. So, and I'm, you know
1: what? I'd be I'd be willing to go die on the Deshaun Watson hill if I had to. Well, if it's I just needed ha- to. it's
0: just hard because how are you going to get him in whenever he was only played what started in only what seven games? He blew my fucking mind. <laughs> He's sick, dude. He could be the truth, he, but for sure, uh, he looks. Very I saw
1: good. the I saw the truth. <laughs> he he revealed the truth, and it was, it was, I was
0: in awe. The uh, offensive rookie of the year awards. It was a tie. Let me get back to him here. Get back to this release. Um, it was a tie between Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara. For the defensive rookie of the year. I know you know who this is. Alvin Kamara's teammate, Marshawn Lattimore. Oh, Lattimore. And I think that, you know, we talked about it. Byron and I talked about it. My vote in this PFWA awards balloting, and I'm sure he got no votes from anybody else, but my vote was Jeff Ireland. Uh, you can draw a direct correlation with how that team is drafted. And uh, w- Jeff Ireland coming on board as an assistant GM. And so I think it's been better drafts. It's been better players. It's helped that team immensely. Um, you know, starters up and down the roster coming from these um, com- coming from recent crops. So I think that Jeff Ireland's done a terrific job there. And the fact that he has a co-offensive rookie of the year and a defensive rookie of the year both drafted um, uh, during the last cycle. It's really awesome. I think that's
1: a very informed and very smart pick. Um that's probably just off of other people's radars. I mean, we put the poll out on Twitter and it came in we asked who the best young corner in the league was. It came in like seventy five percent for Jalen Ramsey and then it came in or no no what was it? It was uh I'm sorry, it came in fifty percent for Jalen Ramsey and then like twenty-five and twenty-five for Peters and Lattimore. You think Xavier Rhodes deserves to be in that group? Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. Dude. I th-
1: I think he's a tick below those guys. He might be there with Lattimore. Lattimore's still a rookie. I think he Lattimore was still giving up some production. Jalen Ramsey just flat out. And
0: you know who else you got to put up there? in in, in is is a uh, Buffalo um, Tredavious White.
1: Tredavious White. We well we we saw Tredavious White at LSU Pro Day last year. I mean. Of the of the local contingent out there, he was like they loved Tre'Davious White coming out of Baton Rouge, man. That is awesome to see him. And you know what? Where, where does AJ Boye belong? Somewhere up there. So, yeah, it's awesome, man. How, There's some how, great how, young how, players. How, in... how
0: young is he? AJ AJ Boye.
1: Uh, I guess he won't count him as a. Uh...
0: I mean, I just kind of, but I kind of think, yeah, he's pretty. I think he's what, his third or fourth year? I'm, but. Uh, Tr- Tredavious White, yeah, he's he's been really he's good, at that. and I think that Pro Football Focus even had him rated as their number one corner for out of all, out of everybody. So you know, like the trade day, it it definitely uh, definitely kind of goes along there with the rest of the trend for sure. So yeah, yeah. As far as the uh, I'm trying to get back here to the all-rookie team all right so the as far as the all-rookie team quarterback deshaun watson clearly i don't think that that was any i think that that was probably a unanimous vote i can't even think of who else would be even under consideration um
1: at the most important position
0: on for running back who do you the running backs very easy as well right for the all-rookie team kareem hunt alvin Kamara, yeah the wide receivers. I'll tell you what. That's
1: crazy. Wait, hold on. That's crazy. Leonard Fournette can't even make that fucking thing.
0: <laughs> I guess not, dude. These
1: guys are sitting at home in the playoffs. He's going off for three touchdowns uh, to, to curb stomp the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, I think just goes getting to show flexed the up for of the, the AFC
0: back class because I think that you're very. I think that you're very well. Um, you're very, you're very well defended. If you want to put Alvin Kamara and Kareem Hunt on 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 your ballot, as crazy as that is, you really can. You can see I'm taking the NFL's rushing leader, and I'm taking Alvin Kamara, who at the point of time in the voting was, you know, leading a team that, I mean, was was in the same position in the playoffs as the as the Jaguars, so. I don't know. I, I think that Alvin Kamara, like I think you got to get Kareem Hunt on the All Rookie Team, especially if he's the Rookie of the Year. And then I just, for me, I think I'd put Alvin Kamara over Leonard Fournette. It's crazy, but I mean, you you wouldn't. Life
1: comes at you fast,
0: man. But dude, Alvin Kamara's been unbelievable, and I know that I know that Fournette is still playing or whatever. He'll play the Patriots this week, but. I don't know. I just,
1: I want you guys to please remember me telling you that Leonard Fournette has not shown us the full repertoire yet. It's coming. It's coming.
0: At the wide receivers, the guy who showed us his whole entire repertoire last year at the senior bowl, as we gear up to head back to mobile here, uh, I guess your next podcast after the DFS podcast, those, those, those will be senior bowl pods. Um, The wide receiver, Cooper Cup. Who do you think the other one was? I knew that you would pick Cooper Cup right off. Who who's the other? Is it obvious to you?
1: It's gonna be obvious when you tell me right off the top of my head it's not. AFC. Uh just give it to me, Alex. Who is
0: it? Juju Smith Schuster.
1: Just a dog, man. I'm thrilled
0: juju smith schuster my original comp on him was a sort of a like a stevie john a faster stevie johnson and i i never even gave him credit in that comp for the level like he is so fast he's fast and he's good and he's a dog strong seems so love smart like he gets this- it so yes, he's been he's just he's he's been a beast and then uh, Cooper. I mean,
1: this league has gotten some really nice, exciting young players at, all, at important positions in re- in the last couple of years.
0: That on So on the all-rookie team so far, we have two senior bowlers from the 2017 Senior Bowl. Uh, here comes a third. Who do you think it was at tight end? Evan Ingram. And if you would have bet preseason – was it going to be Evan Ingram or was it going to be O.J. Howard? Who would you have picked? You would have had to have picked O.J. Howard. Uh, maybe. I think by the time we knew the team fit, I think you maybe had to be a little bit higher maybe on Evan Ingram than O.J. Howard having a big year.
1: We were just worried about a lot of Mal's defeat in New York.
0: Yeah, how quickly I that guess change? it was a
1: similar situation in Tampa Bay. It would have been a close call.
0: Yeah, but Evan Ingram, his hands got a little bit bad there down the stretch because the because the weather got too cold up there for a Southern man. But um, you know, really coming on, I'm not sure we could depend on him for the same amount of volume moving forward. You know, with the hell and golly, man, what a what a uh, what a wide receiver conundrum that Dave Gettleman walks into there with how he's going to have to put, see it, put his nuts on the table with how, what to do with Odell Beckham and everything else. So. Uh, mentions, you think, you, uh, you, how targets you, there get split up or how everything however just what the fallout all that is and all the rest
1: is Evan Ingram trending down in dynasty whereas a guy like George Kittle might be trending up
0: well i think that George Kittle's trending up from a much uh, like a let from a, a less important and you know less expensive kind of area on the plot or w- that Evan Ingram exists in i think at dynasty you like I don't know, especially in the NFFC scoring formats like one league on where, where tight ends get a 1.5 PPR. I just I think that Evan Ingram's a guy who you really really hold on to right now. Um, but I just I'll be interested to see how with the full with the full season with Odell Beckham, which looks like you know for the foreseeable future, with the assumption that he and Gettleman get something worked out, and I can't wait to ask Gettleman what he thinks about the possibility of Odell Beckham being the highest paid player in the league. I wonder how that goes over with, with a guy like Dave Gettleman who, does, who doesn't like to, who doesn't like to overpay, <laughs> he, who doesn't he like to, to overpay. He, he likes to shop at big lots.
1: Yeah, he's going to have to, going to have to
0: loosen the belt on that one. <laughs> I think so, but I just thought that'll, that'll be a good, that'll be a good one to follow. Um, but yeah, so Evan Ingram, as far as along the offensive line at center, it was Pat Elfline who was a starter for the Vikings Back to the Senior Bowl. Dan Feeney, Los Angeles Chargers. So we now have one, two, three, four senior bowlers um, on this all-rookie team.
1: We've told you the whole time Dan Feeney was going to be a beast. He was a steal in the draft. He's part of this big coming-out party that Tom Telesco's having with the Chargers, and... You know, we you know we we hated it when they were trying to play him at center a little bit in preseason that didn't work out at all and but Anthony Lynn Anthony Lynn, you know said as much as the season progressed that Dan Feeney is a really bright spot on that roster.
0: I think that uh this other guy uh Yeah, Ethan Ethan Pokic or Ethan Posic uh, for the Seahawks, I looked up his uh, his PFF grade, and he didn't grade out very well per, per PFF, but he makes the list probably because he's a starter and also Jermaine Elumenor El- 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 of the Baltimore Ravens. At the guard position, there was a tie between uh, Pochic and Elumenor. So um, there were three guards. And then at the tackles, it was the obvious ones. It was uh, Garrett Bowles of the Broncos who started, and also, of course, Ryan Ramchick. Another – I mean – Oh, and Poaches was, was a senior bowler. So that's one, two, three, four, five senior bowlers on the offensive side of the PFWA all-rookie team alone uh, at tackle Garrett Bowles and Ryan Ramchick. Just another great part of that 2017 draft class for the uh, New Orleans Saints.
1: I'm just looking at a little bit of news and notes here. AJ McCarron says he wanted an opportunity to start in Cleveland.
0: Well, I'll be interested to see if they if they're going to run, run Duke Tobin up there I'll, at the combine. I'll ask him again, what what's that like? Are, are you open to Are you open to taking phone calls for AJ McCarron? And he's you know always going to tell me the same thing last time. I'll bet I'll bet you they've gotten calls, and he's going to give me the same answer as last year. He's going to say. The lines are always open, but they're going to realize really quickly how much we value A.J. McCarron. I think there's a possibility at this point in time that A.J. McCarron, just being another year older, having another year in a system, and knowing the fact that there were teams looking at him uh, at the trade deadline, I think that maybe has the price of A.J. McCarron somehow gone up, even though he hasn't done anything to show anything this year?
1: Yes, and Duke to- Duke Tobin letting everybody know not
0: to bring milk to the bar. <laughs> he did. He did last year, and I'll bet you he does it again this year because I'm going to ask him the same question. Yeah, I don't know. I I think that AJ and you've always loved AJ McCarron ever since his pro day. I, like I think, I, yeah. You, I
1: mean, I would I would covet him if I was a GM uh, looking to. I it could it's a very could very easily turn into a Garoppolo like situation. Um, Jason Light says Doug Martin was not ever the same. He's gone. They hate him. He's a goner. <laughs> they, he's a goner. They
0: hate his ass, dude. Why? He Do wasn't ever the same. Do you think he'll
1: even stick with the roster? I'm not sure he's no. going to be playing in the NFL in a year or two. He might be done completely.
0: How can a guy just fall off like that?
1: Mama, don't let your babies grow up to be running backs. I
0: don't know. I mean, is it? Can you really just fall off like that? Or is it something? It's got to be something mental. Not for long. I mean, I guess maybe he's getting like the, he's getting older. The, I mean, dude, the average career I mean, is three or four uh, years. I, I remember his Senior Bowl was one of the first ones that we ever t- like when we started doing this professionally. That was either the f- first or second year that w- at the Senior Bowl that we saw Doug Martin, and we're, we're coming up on our seventh annual, um, our seventh annual Senior Bowl, you know, coverage there from Mobile here next week. So. He's, I mean, he's been in the league for a good for a good number of years now. I don't know. It just seems like was, the falloff was drastic. And whenever he got – whenever he did get back in shape to get the big contract, I think it's 2015, the 2015 season, he did look good. And he looked like if he could stay in that form that, you know, potentially we could have a guy on our hands that was sort of back to – or at least somewhat back to that status that we saw to Doug Martin as a as as a rookie, when he when he really was effective. But I so I don't know. The, to me, the fact that he's kind of been up and down makes me think that it's not just a complete wearing down of his body. I think he could still play. I just I don't know, man. I, th- I don't I know think what's going gave, on. I with think him.
1: that was the last of what he had w- was given in that contract year. Well,
0: he he, he certainly put it to good use because he made a bu- He made a bunch of cheese. That's for sure.
1: You want to look at the lines on these games?
0: Yeah. Let's see. Looks like New England
1: is opening as a nine point favorite and a 47 point over under. Is that what you're getting, Alex?
0: Yeah, I'm looking at Vegas Insider right now, and I just have, I'm just looking at the Vegas Insider consensus, and it has them as nine point favorites and and 46.5 as the over under. I, I I on sp- I looked on sportsbook dur- actually during the late game on Sunday and sportsbook the first bets that they had up was New England minus nine and a half although I am seeing it here on Vegas Insider they're saying the line opened at nine I think that a, I think a lot of the online books got it up at nine and a half anticipating just you know you hear the lines makers say all the time that whenever they know a team's going to be a big public favorite, which New England at home here clearly, clearly will be. Um, they sometimes juice up the lines a little bit, even over what the, what the big betting groups will uh, take the matches, because they know that the average Joe Public, Joe Fan, on these, uh, on these uh, high spreads... They can ju- they can juice those things up a little bit, and they can they can gain a little bit of equity there during this time of year with so many more uh, public betters. And so I, that thing started out on sportsbook at minus nine and a half. It looks like basically everywhere has it now, at minus nine. And the over under started out at forty seven, and uh, the it's the over under I'm looking at now is forty six and a half. So obviously a big uh, setting with uh, that sh- sets up for a game script of more of the uh, production coming from the Tampa Bay running attack, or I'm sorry, from the uh, New England running attack, especially when considering, you know, the way that Jacksonville was probably going to be able to, to to stop these guys is with the secondary. I don't well, know. What were I'm there, what, how many, what
1: were there 80, 80 points in the Steelers-Jaguars game?
0: That's true. That's true. How did that happen? I'm, I'm pretty yeah, I mean, sure
1: Tom Brady's watching that film and saying, I'm going to do the same shit to these guys. And I'm— Look, we know the Patriots' defense will give up points too.
0: Yeah, I mean, do you, do you just for this game? Do you think from a DFS perspective, and we'll have the DFS pod later in the week, but just kind of at a first glance, from a DFS perspective, do you almost have to treat this game as if like the matchups not as if the matchups not terrible? <laughs> Because whenever you look at the like, because the thing was last week, if you look at it on paper, Jacksonville's a terrible matchup for uh, at least for fantasy for opposing fantasy wide receivers, right? You you don't want to go against AJ Bouye and uh, Jalen Ramsey and even Calvin, another senior bowler out of the slot, like. I don't know.
1: Yeah, you can't get scared. You can't. But we're it's not like gonna be you can't get get it, it's off. It's like you
0: can't really get scared off it because you, I mean, in a, I guess on a big slate, you could, you could, you could, get away from it. But I just think in this deal, it's like all the like no, like none of these other like it isn't like there's a good matchup in the Minnesota Philadelphia game to really exploit positionally and the over under in that game's 38. So you're getting eight and a half extra points in this over under. These we games. know
1: Vance McDonald went huge, so I would assume it's going to be a week we like Gronk again. Oh,
0: yeah. I mean, Gronk's a guy you're going to have to get in. I think just, I don't know. I haven't looked at pricing yet. We haven't done the DFS pod. Um, probably not going to get too much into DFS in this one. But, yeah, I just, I think it's a game that you just have to treat as one where, uh, I don't know. I think I would, it's the over-unders 46-and-a-half. I think the way I'm going to treat it is if it's a game that I think has the capability of going similar to how the, the Pittsburgh and Jacksonville game codes, go, goes, win. Or at least, you know, have that as a possibility, you know, within the, the realm of reasonable, reasonable possibilities. I just, it's hard for me to see a Brandon Cooks or somebody going big against Jalen Ramsey. These Jaguars talk too much shit. They're salty. I don't know. It's just, it's just really I guess I just, I'm, it's early in the week and I'm still having a hard time wrapping my brain around this one.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. What about this Vikings matchup?
0: Uh, 38 is the over-under. Minnesota, three-point favorites going into Philadelphia. We saw what happened uh, last time. There was a three-point favorite going into Philadelphia. Ty sure did. They were the Atlanta Falcons, and they got their asses kicked. Uh, so, they had
1: so many damn chances to win that game. That roster has some problems, man. That coaching was bad, but I mean, you, you a lot of credit to the Eagles. Well, a lot of credit, a lot to of credit,
0: especially. Well, yeah, and I think, th- I think that once again in that game, Atlanta benefited from you you know big plays on special teams like there was big there was big special costly special teams turnovers they gave them good field position a bunch during the Rams game and I noticed that happening again um again versus Philadelphia and still despite all that Philly able to pull off the win so I I just don't think it's easy even though Carson Wentz on the team and Nick Foles isn't anywhere near as good I just don't th- I don't think it's easy to go into to go into any home any other team's home stadium and and knock off the one seed I just don't. So I don't know I I don't but I I love Minnesota and they're on paper they're actually a tougher matchup across the board across positions for opposing fantasy players than even Jacksonville. So it's like of course if you're going to be playing this game from a DFS perspective, I think you just have to treat that New England Jacksonville game as the actual good game of the week. I don't know.
1: I think I'm going to roll with Minnesota this week.
0: If it I mean just Who's the public on right now? Let me look. The let me te- pull. I
1: mean, you know, they're preaching all week. If you win this game, we go back home. The Super Bowl's in Minnesota. They can taste it, man. That's a team of destiny situation.
0: I will, I was saying that I was feeling like the Minnesota was it was, was a team of destiny. Yeah, I, yeah,
1: Vikings defense is filthy, man.
0: Yeah, I'm. I I I understand, but but what I'm saying is. I just I think that the Eagles defense is filthy, and I think Jim Schwartz is, is filthy. Talk about that A-list of coaches, I'll bet you that Schwartz was on it as far as approved candidates. Uh, it looks like the lines are um, – it looks like it's minus three. Some places have it at minus three and a half already. So uh, three, you know, clearly a three, a key number there, whether you get it at three or get it at three and a half. Um, with four, with the bets basically evenly split per SportsInsights.com, dot com forty nine percent currently on the Vikings fifty one percent on the Eagles so the Eagles actually small public favorites right now but this bets are pretty evenly how often, split. How
1: often do you consider buying these things down like just buying it down to two and a half and like minus one thirty?
0: Do you think you're gonna do you think they're gonna go through such a key? Do you think they're gonna go through such a key number? I think since the trend we've already seen is going away from the three, getting closer to maybe four, I'm not sure that the, unless we get big news about something, there's going to be a move through three to two and a half. I don't think that's going to happen. So, uh, and 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 if that did happen, it would certainly mean a whole lot about a big, big, big volume of bets coming in there on the other side, coming in on um, coming in on Philadelphia.
1: I just in principle earlier in the early in the week. I like the Vikings' offensive weapons more than I like the Eagles' offensive weapons.
0: And That's fair enough. I hate. I, I hey, I hate the idea of Alshon Jeffrey versus Xavier Rhodes if Rhodes is healthy. Trump, yeah, and I'm I just trying, don't to, think J.H.I.
1: J. J. looks that good. And Nelson Aguilar is, you know, he did some work in the last game. I just, I give me Stefan Diggs, give me Kyle Rudolph, give me Adam Thielen, Latavius Murray, and McKinnon have been plenty effective as a combo back there. It's Just I, th- I think they got a little more firepower, man.
0: Yeah, that defense, that defense is sick, though, man. And I don't know. It's just – we'll see. I, I, it's a tough one for me to call. Again, just very, very early thoughts here. I, I think if you put a gun to my head right now, I think I would just stick with the uh, – uh, you know, what the, what the book on sports betting says, like the, the sports betting for, for, for dummies – what that book would say which would tell you over, over a long pattern and over uh, historically significant samples, you'd have been a winner picking uh, home underdogs. So specific, prob- probably especially in big spots like this. So I would say I would take the home underdog here. I well, take, if, that's the ca- if
1: that's the case, shouldn't we just cut out the middleman and throw down a few Senior Bowl Jimmy John sandwiches? Yeah, we,
0: yeah, we can do it. We'll, we, will you give me three and a half?
1: I like this consensus line right here. <laughs> I know. We'll talk about it. I want it.
0: three and a half. We'll talk. We'll talk about it off air. We have another. We have another. Um, we have we another. make
1: them. We make them scoop the bread out of those Jimmy John sandwiches these days, huh? Uh,
0: dude, I make them scoop the bread out, or I've gone to where I um, will sometimes just get, get rid of the bread entirely and just eat like the un, the unwich just with the lettuce it's um
1: i'm still a little too much of a bread boy for
0: that yeah it's not, well it, it isn't something that i do all the time but it's something that at least is at least i have it in my i guess my sandwich repertoire now to eat sandwich on a goddamn lettuce as i continue in a quest to not be quite the <laughs> not be quite the uh, bread eater that uh is apparently part of my dna because god i fucking love bread
1: Hey, always good to be improving the repertoire. Yeah.
0: So, uh, you got anything else on? Uh, you got anything else? Any thoughts today? Any news and notes? Yeah. Any thoughts from the rookie team or from this weekend's games?
1: I'm interested to see. I mean, do we have a. Is Jaguar Steelers a thing now? Is that a thing?
0: What, oh, like what? That they don't like each other or something?
1: I mean, are we on the verge of a Jaguar Steelers rivalry?
0: Well, dude, no one, no one likes getting their ass kicked by the Jaguars. They're salty as fuck, dude. Those guys are salty, and they, dude, they, and they talk shit. I mean, as I, there could be a Seahawks Jaguars rivalry. You saw those guys; they couldn't handle their shit one bit. Like they, had, Just, they even got, you know, they got on what's they got on um, what's his name? Who is it? The huge fraud, the Seattle Seahawks fraud, uh, Michael Bennett. See what tilt they had him on, where he tried to like end somebody's career. Like, dude, nobody wants to get their ass kicked by the Jaguars, and that's a salty team. I think that I, they're they're a good team. I'm I'm interested to see, like I'm I'm just I'm interested to see if it seems mind blowing. They were talking about Blake Bortles versus Tom Brady. It's why I just haven't like it's a, it's just it's just mind mind blowing to me.
1: I mean, if the Jaguars advance here. I start thinking of this as one of Tom Coughlin's greatest seasons. I'm not sure people are even really thinking of it from that angle, but this will be one of Tom Coughlin's greatest accomplishments and seasons in his whole career, and it'll be as a G- – what is he, a co-GM? He's really Exec- GM.
0: Executive VP of – I don't know. Executive VP of football operations. He, so, hey, know. he's Dave Caldwell's boss. <laughs> yeah, totally. And he's – and, you know, Donna really – really bang up jobs from uh, everything you can tell about the at least about the mentality around there Mike there some, Florio There's some salty uh, there's some salty ass dudes man
1: Mike Florio reporting here just recently that a group of Steelers limited partners want Mike Tomlin fired Well can I you believe he's been there for 11 years
0: Well you have great st- you have great stability as Pittsburgh uh, as Pittsburgh Steelers head coach You have traditionally what a job, They're, dude! Ownership there is patient with you, you know. Especially, and here's the thing, though. Um, Tomlin's been a has been a winning coach, so it's you know it's hard to hard to I think make a really really convincing case for, for uh, firing the guy. But I mean, he can just like I've said before, dude. It just doesn't seem like he has much control over what the hell he's trying to do with the game plans. And with how to attack opponents at times, I call it, I call it game planning and play calling. And more, more really more succinctly, just like affecting, a, affecting the play calling of his coordinators just by random aggression. I don't think he puts, I just, sometimes I wonder what the hell he's doing. Is that what I mean? That's what fans are clearly saying. That's probably what, who who'd you say around? What is Florio saying about, about people around the Steelers? Like, or was it around the Steelers? L-
1: limited partners. So, some kind of limited, you know, owners ownership group. You know, part of the ownership group wanting Tomlin fired. And it sounds like they want some new blood in there. I cannot imagine they advanced. You know, well into the playoffs had a pretty good season. I don't see Mike Tomlin. Going it's anywhere. hard
0: to make a good, it's hard to make a, I don't know, man. I think it's hard to make, I think it's hard to make a good case for it, but I think he, I think somebody maybe kind of could, you know, it's just like, I, I have, I have a lot in my collective memory about things that I've, that I've thought that Mike Tomlin was, you know, maybe boneheaded for doing. And there's a maniacal Steelers fan out there that has every one of those things documented that just stews over them all the time. I guarantee you. And that limited owner is probably one of those guys.
1: That is hilarious. Hey, we didn't hit it. So, what uh, did you have an inkling whether you liked the Patriots to cover this week?
0: No, I'm saying if you put a gun, what I said is if you put a gun to my head, and I think I mean here's the, I like the Philadelphia Eagles plus the three and a half. We're gonna try and get a, a deal on that, even though you're angling for three. And then with the with the Patriots and the Jaguars, like I said, I, I'm just trying to wrap my head around how to treat it. I think you have to treat it like a game that's going to hopefully go over and shoot out. Like the uh, like the Pittsburgh game did with the Jags, and if that's the case, I'm gonna. I think I like New England, but it seems like the donkey side of the line. I mean, my, it does. It's, I don't know. It
1: really does, right? It's it, it's enticing, it's tempting, it it feels comfortable, but it, it, in some ways, it feels like you could be the fool.
0: Yeah, so that's a tough
1: line. To, that's a tough line to crack. I might just sit back and enjoy that game.
0: Yeah, I, I yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the uh, level of speculation I'll be putting into that one, but uh, you and I can put some. You you and I can put some Jimmy John sandwiches on this Philly uh, Minnesota game offline. Any,
1: any any guesses on Tom Brady's pricing this week?
0: On DK playing, guess the pricing. Yeah. I'll actually have to go and look because I don't want to. I don't. But before I look, uh, what was he seven K last week on DraftKings? Come on, so, let's just play the game. No, I'm gonna play. I'll, I'll say his prices has to have gone up because of scarcity. I'll say it's seventy, even though he's gonna against a tougher opponent. I'll say the DraftKings algorithm factored in Scott scarcity. I'll bet you he's 76. seventy-six. I'll bet you they make it hard on us.
1: Seventy-seven hundred for Brady. How much do you think Dion Lewis is this week?
0: Well, I think they had to have probably priced in the idea that maybe Burkhead doesn't play. I'm still not sure how that's going to go. So, I'm going to say that he should have gotten a bump from this. He should have gotten a bump into the 7K range. I'll say 7 2.
1: Your titties are going to be blown off by this one. What is it? 8,100. Oh,
0: God. <laughs> they factored in no Burkhead. So, what, how, how much is Burkhead? Uh, 5,400. I figured as much. Huh. Still a little. You James wish he White? was sub
1: 5,000. It would yeah. be an instant call. Oh, yeah. James, James White's like? 4,900.
0: Well, that feels, that's, that, that's starting to feel pretty good against a defense that, since Marcel Darius has come around, a lot tougher to really run on between the tackles. Maybe a James White can open some things up in the passing game. Um,
1: how, how much do you think the Gronker is?
0: What was oh, he last week? Kings. 7K even? He had to go up. I'll say he is uh, seven. Is he seventy eight?
1: Seventy nine hundred for the Gronker. Yikes! How much is Ertz? How much is Ertz? Oh, much cheaper. Fifty three hundred. So he
0: came down. He was fifty eight last week.
1: Who do you guess is the most expensive defense on the slate?
0: Oh, it's got to be the Patriots, isn't it?
1: Vikings are most expensive defense. Who do you think the cheapest defense is?
0: Don't tell me it's the. I mean, it's going to be the Jags or the Eagles. Don't I mean? Is it the Jags?
1: I'm going to tell you, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. How cheap are they? Twenty eight hundred.
0: And how expensive are the are the um, what the Vikings?
1: Thirty eight hundred.
0: Interesting stuff coming up this weekend. Very very swindly. On a on a maniacal little two game slate for sure, and I, I don't even what about Fournette is he seven, is, is he he's definitely into sev, set the 7K um, seven k range seventy two hundred for Leonard Fournette so not not too big a bump for him
1: huh. does, does well we'll have to talk about whether what happened to Derrick Henry last week in Foxborough concerns us with Leonard Fournette this week. Well, that'll give me something to think about on the airplane tonight, Alex.
0: There you go. All right, Byron's getting out of here. Heading up to the Rocky Mountain Air of Colorado. That will end the Roster Watch podcast for this edition. Please go to rosterwatch.com. Get a pro membership. You can uh, also support us by subscribing to the podcast, rating and reviewing it in iTunes and in Stitcher. So for Byron Lambert... For the trash man, for the robot genius, and for all of Rosterwatch Nation, my name is Alex Dunlap. This has been the Rosterwatch Podcast brought to you by Rosterwatch.com. We will see you next time.